Welcome to the BNA Talks podcast, working our way through Mark's Gospel in spring 2022. And we have reached Mark chapter 13. So just to bring us up to speed, Jesus has come into Jerusalem. So we've had Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry. He's cleared up. If you can hear the rustle of papers, it's me turning the pages of my Bible. He's cleared the temple. He's cursed the fig tree. There's been all sorts of toing and froing around um, Jesus and his authority. Um, and there's been teaching and questions around tax and marriage. Who is the Messiah? And we're just coming into um, this chapter now, chapter 13, quite a long one with a lot of um, teaching from Jesus and focused specifically on um, the end times, the destruction of the temple and the end times. Just as we get into this, just want you to um, have a think about this. What is your story and what is the story that your life is part of? For um, for Jews and for Christians, the, the revelation of who God is um, involves us stepping into his story. And his story has... Um, has an end point for us. Um, our faith has what's called a teleos, a goal, and so we aren't. Um, so, so we aren't people who have no hope. We aren't people who don't know where we're headed. So, so the Bible has this grand sweep: begins in a garden, ends in a city, uh, and with a new heaven and a new earth. So, as Christians, we know that there is an end coming. We know that when Je- Jesus is coming back. Uh, that um, all will be judged um, and that this heaven, this heaven and earth that we're all part of now will be remade. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth and that we'll be with God forever. And that idea of like the, the end of times as well is not just an idea that, that we pick up in Christianity, but it comes from, it's in the Old Testament as well. Uh, and so the readings that we're going to um, look at now are, it's how long was it? It's 37 verses, this chapter. is picking up this Jesus speaking into this sense of, of thinking long term and thinking about the end times and what's going to happen. And what being people of the end times does for us as Christians is that it helps to focus our mind on, um, on where we're headed, um, who's in charge of all of history. And it just helps us to see the stuff of our life in the light of that. You know, like if I if I've had a bad morning, but I know there's a great thing that's going to happen in the afternoon, I'm more likely to handle my day well than if I've had a bad morning and I have no idea what's going to happen in the afternoon. So this sense that that there is a God of history, that history is moving towards something and it's a glorious end um, with God himself. So let's uh, let's dive in. And um, I'm going to do something different this week. If you've been tracking with us over the past few weeks, I generally read read lead read longish chunks and then talk but i think i'm just going to read and talk as we go through because it's all one big massive thing so mark chapter 13 reading from verse 1 as jesus was leaving the temple one of his disciples said to him look teacher what massive stones what magnificent buildings so the temple in jesus day had been built by herod the great who was only part Jewish. And one of the ways, you know, in terms of establishing himself as this great leader, um, this vassal of Rome, was to rebuild the temple because the temple hadn't been that impressive because it had been destroyed when the exile had come and then had been rebuilt um, in around the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. And if you read those um, stories from the Old Testament, you see that the old people who remembered the original temple wept when they saw how far short it was of the of Solomon's great temple. So so Herod the Great rebuilds the temple and he rebuilds this massive and um, you can Google it, this massive you know, building in the centre of Jerusalem. This is where God dwells. And you must think about um 
if you are a Jewish person who doesn't live in Jerusalem, you would travel up for pilgrimages and you would go up to the city and you would see the temple from quite a far away away. This huge, big temple mount with this amazing building on it. And there was where your God dwelt. And so the physicality of the building said something, you know, made me, wow, and was impressive. You can imagine if you think about being a medieval Christian, what, what it must have been like to see Lincoln Cathedral or Canterbury Cathedral, you know, and go, whoa, how, how could they have done that? So, so the disciples are like in Jerusalem and they've been just sort of blown away by this massive building. Do you see all these great buildings? This is Jesus speaking now. Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. This is kind of challenge, you know, what do you, what do you say looks impressive? What do you say you put your trust in? Because actually some of the things we put our trust in, uh, whether it be great big buildings or our own abilities or whatever, actually end up coming apart much faster and much easier than we imagine. So they've left the temple. They've all gone, this is amazing. And Jesus says, you see this? None of these stones are going to be left on top of one another. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? So Mark wants to see this is a private conversation between Jesus and kind of the inner circle within the disciples. Um, Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of the birth pains. So Jesus begins to talk about kind of like um, times of tribulation, which is a kind of a, a standard picture of the end times. But actually, if you think about it, uh, could also be uh, in his immediate um, days as well, people claiming to be the Messiah. We've talked about that previously, about how in, in the Jewish memory of the day, there were people who had risen up like, and they were thinking, is he the Messiah? Um, earthquakes, wars, kingdom rising against kingdom. So it kind of feels a bit like nor, the, normal life in a way. And that leads me to say what, what we're going to go on and read about is Jesus, uh, in terms of what he's speaking about and prophesying, is he's prophesying about 40 years ahead of where they are all at. AD 70, there's a rebellion and the Romans flatten the temple in Jerusalem, which is why it looks like the way it does now. And no stone is left standing on top of another stone. But we'll also see that he's also talking about the end times when he comes back again. And, and, and that's just a reminder that when we think about biblical prophecy, quite often it has a number of horizons. So when you read Isaiah, there'll be a prophecy that is about the next few years, uh, but in it will be contained imagery that is about the coming of Jesus hundreds of years away, and in it will be imagery that's contained about the coming again of Jesus thousands of years away. It's almost like looking at three mountains and not seeing the valleys between. So they're called horizons of prophecy. And so Jesus here as he speaks is speaking about something that's going to happen within the lifetime of many of the people listening to him, but then also pointing to something that we're all still waiting for. But here's a kind of learning point for us. Verse 9, you must be on your guard. So call to us always to be watching out. You will be handed over to the local councillors and flogged in the synagogues. So that's part of their immediate story. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must be first preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand because of what you are to say. Just say what I have given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. This sense of the church being um, held up in opposition by culture and by governments, and we see that around the world now. Um, that idea of the flogged in the synagogues speaks to their immediate experience, which we can read about in the book of Acts, but also this, and the gospel must be first preached to all nations, that idea that actually 
Um, Jesus is not coming back um, to call time and absolutely everything until everybody has got a chance to hear the good news. Um, and, but there is, just buried in there, is a, be on your guard, but also the Holy Spirit will give you what to say, that actually the Spirit is at work and that in those situations, whether it be at the school gate or in the office or on trial, that actually the Spirit of God lives in us and the Spirit of God will give us the words to say that proclaim who Jesus is and and bring the kingdom in. How much do I rely on my own strength when someone asks me a question or makes my life difficult because of my faith? And how much do I stop and pray and say, Lord, what is it you'd have me say? Verse 12, brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. It's an invitation to persistence, uh, persistence in faith, to, um, you know, don't put your hand on, on the plough and look back. You know, anyone who, uh, you know, is not fit for the kingdom, Jesus says, but this idea that actually we are, we have, pausing, I'm trying to, what's the word I want to use? Basically, we are on one side of a spiritual battle. And the other side, and quite often the rulers and the principalities and the powers of this world are on that side, are against us. And the Spirit is in us to give us the strength to persevere. And so stand firm to the end. And that is that glorious end coming, that Jesus will come back and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth and we'll be with him forever. Now when you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand that's marked to us then let those who are in judea flee to the mountains so here's an interesting one this is um so in daniel there's talk of the abomination that causes desolation which points forward to a guy called antiochus who comes before the maccabean revolt a few hundred years before jesus who set up in the jewish temple um a statue to greek gods so that is a that's a kind of like ah you've seen this before the temple being desecrated um and that's kind of a throwing forward to when the romans um will desecrate the temple by flattening it um let um, those who in judea flee to the mountains which was actually was their experience of, the, uh, of this revolt in AD 70 let no one on the housetop go down or enter the house to take anything out let no one in the field go back to get their cloak how dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers pray that this will not take place in winter because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning when god created the world until now never be equaled again so is that about AD 70 is it about the end times is it about both? If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, look, there he is, do not believe it. False messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I've told you everything ahead of time. Yeah, I've told you everything ahead of time, but we don't quite get it, maybe. But the whole point is to be on our guard. Um, to to watch out for where the enemy is at work, where false um, messiahs, false prophets would arise, where there'd be false signs and wonders, where we would be led away um, from Jesus. And, and that sense that when the end comes, um, that it'll come like that, and that actually it'll be short and sharp, um, and there won't be that much time. So actually, you want to you know you want to be ready. Think about what Jesus tells the parable about the virgins doesn't he waiting for the wedding and five of them have got oil in their lamp and five don't um but when the bridegroom comes be ready but in those days following that distress the sun will be darkened the moon will not give its light the stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken so it's a quote from isaiah so this is part of the old story of the people of israel that there is there is an end that's coming and jesus is putting himself into as a key part of that story 
At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. So that isn't AD 70. That's the end of the world. And he will send his angels and gather his elect. That's everybody who loves and follows him from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. So remember, Jesus said, them. Uh, he cursed a fig tree that didn't have any fruit. But actually, there's this sense that read the signs. Um, so, so watch out and read the signs. So you, you know, you know. Um, so we have a camellia in our back garden, um, uh, which flowers pink about this time of year, so the last four weeks. And I know how many flowers I'm going to get when I kind of look in January and I see all the buds. And that's a sign that in about four weeks' time, bang, um, I'm going to get a lot of pink flowers. And it's that sense of you know, Jesus said, look out for the signs, watch out for them. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the end is near, right at the door. Verse 30, truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So this generation will not pass away until in AD 70 the temple is destroyed, but also as the beginnings of the kind of... And is a generation, is it a set of time? Is it a generation of people in their life? Um, people far brighter than I argue about this one, so I'm not going to wade into that one. But this sense that there will be these signs and then within within a generation, within a measured time frame, uh, the end will come. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Jesus is eternal. Verse 32. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house, puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned tasks, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether it's the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows. Ooh, we know about roosters crowing, or we are going to at Easter. Or at dawn, if he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Now, I haven't done really good job there of teaching you about end times because there are books and books that are written about it you know um the key thing there is watch um there is an end time that's coming and we are to live our lives for it one of the wisest things i've ever heard is that um we should live every day as if jesus uh, is is coming back today but also plan as if you know we might be here for the next 40 or 50 years depending on how old we are and to hold that intention so 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 that just that sense that Jesus could come back, take hold of every opportunity, but also he, he may have he may come back in fifty years, and just hold those two things in tension. But crucially, as you hold them in tension, live for that being. You know, if Easter is one defining moment of your story, live for that being the next defining moment. Um, I had lunch today with somebody who talked about speaking at their father's funeral, their father being a lovely Christian man and saying, this is a pause in our relationship, not an end. And it's just that sense that he has this belief that there is an eternity that's coming and his life has lived towards it. And so Jesus' invitation, as he's saying to these guys, is don't get sidetracked by stuff that impresses you in the here and now. Give your life to the eternal, to what will not pass away and give your life to this knowledge that God is coming back. In the person of Jesus, he's going to come back. There's going to be judgment, but actually in Jesus, we will be forgiven and there will be a new heaven and a new earth and we will be with him forever. And the task of the church has always been to live out that truth. So one writer talks about it like this, that the Bible is like a a play with a series of acts. Um, And there's the Old Testament, there's the Gospels, there's the Book of Acts, and then there's a gap 
And then there's the book of Revelation. And this writer, Nicholas Lash, says the task of the church in history is to perform the scriptures in the gap between the book of Acts and the book of Revelation. So we have everything that's gone before and we know what the end looks like. And so we we improvise, but but improvise knowing how the play is working itself out. So we're consistent with the story that's happened and with where it's headed. And so as we are Christians, that is our hope. We have a hope in eternity. We have hope in our Savior coming back again. And, and, and so we trust him and we live for him and we live for his eternity. And, and therefore we watch out for anything that would distract us from that, from what the enemy might be up to, um, bringing us back down to the here and now when we need to think eternally and plan for eternity. Um, uh, yeah. And then, for, oh, just another thought in my head. C.S. Lewis did say, doesn't mean that we don't do anything in this life, because he said the people who make the biggest difference in this world are the ones who are committed to the next. Because actually, when you get a sense of who Jesus is and what he's doing and his eternity, you, you want to draw everybody else into that. And one of the ways you do that is by extending kingdom values and by living out the kingdom in loving and serving others now as well. So, Mark chapter 13, watch out, live for eternity trust jesus um those three questions that we end each week what did i learn about what god is like what did i need to hear as a follower of jesus and what truth struck me for the people i love and serve god bless you and we'll be with you next week for mark chapter 14